0: This is the Two Biz Chicks Podcast. Each week, the hosts, successful CEOs, Linda Rawson and Tamara Tran, entertain you with real life stories that are guaranteed to empower, enrich, and enlighten. The Two Biz Chicks are both entrepreneurs, authors, and public speakers with many diverse life experiences that bring a powerful message to each episode. Hi, welcome to the Two
1: Biz Chicks Podcast. I'm Linda Rawson. My name is Tamara Tran. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Rebecca Yates. Hello. She is a, an accomplished woman. She has her own small business, and we'd like you to tell us all about it. Go ahead. Ooh, which small business? I actually
0: have five. Wow. Little, little known secret. <laughs> My first business was a clothing for women with large breasts, actually. We had been watching the Haitian food riots. And my friend and I, she was recently divorced and we decided that we were whiny in America and we needed to create jobs. So we came up with a business that we could outsource into other countries that really needed to have job growth and we started a clothing line. I knew nothing about business really and I just jumped off the cliff. I'd never dealt with a clothing line at all. And from there, it gave me the confidence when my day job got unhappy to jump off and start
1: insurance agency. So, flight history. That's amazing.
2: Are, are all of these businesses still um, active today? Do yes. you still
0: them? I'm actually looking at letting the clothing line go because I'm trying to follow the wise words that I found in the pumpkin plan, which are consolidate. And so I'm thinking of I'm letting the clothing line go now, but I still have a retail insurance brokerage, a wholesale insurance brokerage. I co-wrote a book with Jack Canfield, and so I have a company that holds that, and then I have a short-term vacation rental company that does rentals. Right now we have properties in Arkansas.
1: That's fantastic. Did you always intend to be an entrepreneur? So no, I
0: never intended to be an entrepreneur. All of my friends in business classes, because I loved business, but I always wanted to climb the corporate ladder. And my friends would go, I'm gonna start a business, and I would say, I don't. I don't wanna work on weekends. I don't wanna work 70 hours a week. I want to climb the corporate ladder and make lots and lots of money and retire and be an archaeologist. And I'm probably the only one of that group that actually did go and start my own businesses. So it's kind of funny.
1: <laughs> so it sounds like you're kind of um, a science science geek a little bit. I love and
0: have from the time I was tiny old bones. It sounds strange, but I used to volunteer at the Museum of Natural History, cleaning dinosaur bones and putting them back together because I just think it's awesome.
1: That's fantastic. Yes, But
0: I like money and I am very fair skinned. So being out in the dirt, digging all the time, probably wasn't a good life choice. So I did business instead.
1: (laughs) I've been on a few fossil digs myself. That's pretty fun. I have um, some friends that own a fossil store in Kemmer, Wyoming. they've got some good ones up there. Yeah. So what are some of the struggles that you've been through as a woman owned business?
0: Oh, well, I don't think my struggles were necessarily specific to women owned businesses, but I got sued about 30 seconds after I had started to start my second business, which was super fun. And then I ended up um, going through some partner separations and had to go through some legal processes that way. And so that was really challenging to start a business having to deal with litigation. Not what I recommend for anyone, um, but it taught me a lot of lessons. Always get your contracts cleaned up and signed and right, right at the beginning.
1: That's a, that's a great piece of advice, for sure. I've been in that same situation. Sometimes you can do handshake business and sometimes you can't. Make good friends with really good lawyers. <laughs> that's <laughs> good advice.
2: I'm curious about your um partnership experiences so many people want to go into business and they're kind of afraid to do it alone mm-hmm. and they're really bad horror stories about partnerships gone wrong uh do you have any advice for entering into a partnership don't <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> no that's not true my clothing line I've got a partnership I actually started that with two partners and they're my mom and my best childhood friend And that partnership works really great because the roles are really clearly defined. Um, There's a very clear head. So what I learned in my other partnerships is if you have everyone have equal ownership or it's not a very clearly, like here's the member that's managing, you end up having problems that you can't resolve. You can't get to a point where you hit a decision and you guys are deadlocked and nobody can override and nobody can drive. And so if you're going to do a partnership, make sure that there's a way to have a tiebreaker whether that's giving 2% to somebody else that can make it so that it's a little uneven. Um, Just make sure that there's a way to have one person clearly lead it. That's why the first partnership has been successful is that we came in at the very beginning with I was going to lead, they were going to design, this one was going to sew patterns. We had very clearly defined roles. The other partnerships that I've been in were less defined and we ended up having conflict because if we ran into an impasse, there was no way to get around it.
2: Good advice. Okay, that's good to know. So currently in the businesses that you have, are you, do you have partnerships other than in the first one?
0: So I have partnerships. Actually, yeah, I do. I have minority partnerships. So I have the majority in all the businesses at this point, except the clothing line. Um, And then I have minority ownerships. So some partners in there that have been instrumental in getting me where I needed to go. So, but you have to be selective, very, very careful about who you let into that business.
2: And by selective, do you mean background checking and credit checking and all of those things, or just sort of finding out if they've got the right experience?
0: Both, really. Um, We had an experience where we had a partner that came in, and because we're in insurance, we have really strict regulations. And he had been, he pled guilty to forging life insurance applications, and we didn't know until after we'd entered into the partnership. And it created some major problems. So that was a misstep that I had at the very beginning was just assuming that because he was an actively licensed agent, he had a clean background and he didn't. Um, So yes, I definitely agree. Check it just like if you're dating, because I'm single and I have to deal with dating. I do that with people (laughs) I date. Like, yeah, background check on everyone, but I didn't do that in my business and I do now for sure. But also I think it's important to business date. Everyone wants to business, get married, but nobody wants to business date. And I think, that's a really important piece where you practice a few joint ventures and see kind of where people land. Cause you don't know until you're in the trenches
2: with it. True. Excellent advice. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm exactly in the middle of one of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little less stressful, I think. <laughs> I'm dating <laughs> business dating. Business. You know, they had a, they had a website called a uh, uh, founder. I don't know. Date or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. (laughs) Thanks. That's too funny.
2: For businesses to match up. (laughs) Yes. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. How do you? um, I I remember you telling me. uh, So by the way, Rebecca and I are both Goldman Sachs uh, alumni and and i got the opportunity to meet rebecca and spend some time with her and i know that um you have a teenager and a, a daughter a, a younger daughter mm-hmm. and i think they're both girls right yes and uh, so how do you balance your personal life with your professional do you how do you handle the guilt of not always being there or Um, you know, quality versus quantity.
0: So that's the beauty of being self-employed, right? Um, When I used to work a regular nine to five job, I didn't have a lot of flexibility. So my kids were segmented to being after hours or on weekends, and that led to a lot of guilt. When my younger daughter was born, she has some special needs. And because I was self-employed, I could take time and do her therapies and my therapies and the things that we needed to do to support her during the day. And through that process, I learned that because I can't get a babysitter very easily for a child with special needs, so I can't do things on the weekends that are good to serve my needs, like going out with my friends or playing, I've had to shift those into business hours. And I realized it serves my business to take that time when I need it. And so I do it during business hours. If I need to take a little break and go to a movie, I do if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like, you know what, I'm fried today, I need to do a movie or if I need to spend a Friday afternoon as a spa, then I do. I've realized that's a valuable part of my business, and so I take care of me during the day, and then that way when I'm home with my kids, I put my phone down. It irritates some of my clients, but I don't check email, I don't answer the phone, and I try not to answer texts or messages when I'm home. In fact, I'll put my phone in another room so that when I'm there, it's my kids' time.
2: Good for you, I admire that. I need to be better, Ugh. <laughs> It's not easy.
0: There are times when I get a lot of guilt or a lot of shade about the fact that I don't answer my phone on weekends or that I'm not responding to text messages, but you've got to hold those boundaries The kids are worth it. Yeah,
2: that is so true. That's great advice. I have a question about your book that you co-wrote. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? Uh, It was a couple of years ago, and uh, they just called me and said, would you mind being in this book? And it was called Conversations with Top Achievers and um it i have a chapter inside of the book and i have boxes of them hiding in my storage unit because i've been too embarrassed to tell people it exists
2: (laughs) really why that's that's quite an accomplishment i don't
0: know (laughs) that's something that i haven't quite figured out but yeah i have um boxes and boxes of it in my storage unit just hanging out because
1: i don't know well Well, i want you to give me one of those the next (laughs) Since you're gonna be moving anyway, then you know maybe <laughs> yes, I should probably resurrect those suckers
0: and get them out of the boxes. Yeah, I just you should. Yeah, I was really excited about it when it first came out, and then I just I don't know developed some kind of weird insecurity and
1: tucked them away.
2: Wow, that I I think that's so impressive. Oh well,
1: thank you. You received an award this year, right? What yep. was
2: that?
0: Yeah, so we were selected um, for the fastest, Mountain West Capital's fastest growing 100 companies in Utah. It's the second year we've received the award. So last year we were ranked number 43, so we were in the top 50. And this year we were ranked number 63. We also received the federal government's highest award, which is their elite circle of champions. Um, Last year we also received the circle of champions, which they didn't have a higher tier at that point. And then CMS, who runs all of healthcare.gov, selected 17 brokers across the US, and we were one of them to participate in an alpha group. So we actually get a dry, fly back to Washington again and tell CMS how we think they should be doing healthcare.gov. So every month we jump on a call with the feds and work on that. So
2: that's a pretty fun, exciting thing, too. That's amazing. <laughs> that's really impressive i'm curious do you have a background in healthcare or insurance or
0: no so how i ended up in insurance when i was in college my boyfriend was working for a farmer's agent and i helped a little bit working at that farmer's agency and i hated it and i never wanted anything to do with insurance because i thought all insurance people were scummy and i was like i can't i can't do anything with insurance and i was working for a company that was selling contracts to the federal government. We actually did um, Secret Service and FBI, I worked specifically with them, on their emergency medical gear. And we did all their cold weather gear for the Olympics. And the company I was working with sold and they were going to move out of the state. And they wanted me to move as well and my soon to be ex-husband blocked me. There's a little law in Utah that they can block you if they can show it's in the child's best interest. So suddenly I found myself as a single parent with no job Trying to figure out what to do and I was offered a job in health insurance and I thought I can't do this. I don't, I I don't believe in insurance. (laughs) I cannot go out and sell something I don't believe in. And at the time I had taken my ex husband off my insurance. We weren't technically divorced, right. we had been separated for two and a half years and he rolled his four wheeler in the hospital when I was standing there. My mother in law called and said, I don't know if I should even tell you this, but he might die. So you should bring your daughter to the hospital. To say goodbye we don't know what's going to happen and so i got up to the hospital and the nurse pulled me aside and she goes oh so you're the wife and i'm like not really we've been separated for two and a half years and she goes well he doesn't have any assets and he doesn't have any insurance and because we live in utah and you guys are still married you get to pay the bill we're at a hundred thousand so far today we expect it to be over a million dollars and i just stood there thinking, I'm gonna to have to file bankruptcy. The divorce had already drained me pretty much dry. I didn't see an alternative. And my father-in-law said, hey, let me see what I can do. And he called his health insurance broker. And his health insurance broker, he had a little business, had given them a quote for insurance and the rates were too high. And so they had not accepted the quote. That was on July 3rd. Okay, their quote was effective July 1st. So he called the insurance broker and the insurance broker said, if you pay the premiums by July 6th, you have a contract and it will be covered. Blue Cross Blue Shield paid all million dollars, the whole thing. And I thought, okay, now I can sell this. Now I understand how it works and I understand why it's important and that not all insurance people are just trying to get out of paying claims. Like it was such a moment for me to yeah. step back and go, okay, this is this is such a needed service and something that people really need to have because I would have been it would have been very very bad <laughs> emotionally like mentally for me more so than even the bankruptcy because it would have been devastating to my mental health to have a million dollar bill <laughs> that is incredible yeah Wow. that's how i ended up in insurance and i've been that was in 2004 and i've been doing it ever since
2: that's wow. Well, it's it's neat how life throws something at you sometimes and it turns into something wonderful somehow. So, yes.
0: And I love it. I geek out on it. I read the contracts when they put new bills up. I'm reading them. It just, I really am passionate about it. And I think that's a lot of the reason why. And since then I've seen so many similar stories where people, you know, would have been completely devastated or couldn't get treatment because they didn't have insurance. And then the opposite is true where I see so many people that do have insurance and they can get the treatments they need. We had a little boy that had to fly to New York just over Christmas to get some cancer treatments that he could not do without insurance. And so, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Wow. I can see why you're passionate about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: So uh, do you have any uh, promos
1: or uh, giveaways that you want to talk about? Do you have anything coming up you'd well, like we to We
2: have
0: really funny laws in my world, so we have to be careful how we do that. But we are giving away two tickets to the Hale Center Theater on our Facebook page right now. So if you go to our Facebook page, there's a status and just enter it, you like the status and you get an extra entry if you put in a comment telling us what your favorite show is because I love theater. Theater
1: makes me really happy. <laughs> Do you have any goals for the next coming months? I mean, are you um, interested in uh, doing something spectacular? Or are you taking a big trip? Y- yes. I'm actually taking five weeks off and going
0: to Europe because my oldest is going to college and colleges in Europe are less expensive than colleges here, so we're traipsing about Europe with my sister for a minute. Um, As far as business goals, I am working on a scale plan. So one of the situations we've noticed in our industry is the average age of an agent is 62. And with all of the changes in regulations, a lot of these agents are like, I don't want to keep learning the new stuff. So we're seeing a huge exodus of agents. And the ones that are staying really only want to work with large employers. And so the individual market and the small group market, all these small businesses are getting completely neglected or they're getting assisted by the average agent. The average agent writes 12 policies a year, 12. And then they do something else for their daytime job. And so we're trying to set it up so that we can provide more support to that demographic. So we're building all of our SOPs out and developing a marketing plan to recruit new agents so that we can provide more support because we're in a situation where we have a lot of demand and we don't have the resources to help everyone at
1: the level that we want to help them. So yeah, it's going to be busy. Yeah, sounds Maybe. like it. <laughs> and, and where are you going on vacation to? So You're where- at-
0: yeah, we're gonna be. Um, she wants to go to the University of Edinburgh, Cambridge, Oxford, Ox, Oxford, um, Utrecht, Heidelberg, something else. My baby sister wow. lives in Amsterdam, just outside of Amsterdam. So we're gonna go see my sister.
1: Oh, that's so fun! Yeah. Wow, so many things going. <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know, we're going to wrap up this call and it's been a pleasure and um, I'm so excited for all the things that are happening for you. It's, it's a, it's a matter of intention and putting it out there and things, good things show up. Yeah, it really is. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, for
2: sure.